Hello everyone and welcome to the fifth episode of Design is Not Neutral. Today's guest is Valentina Vergara. Valentina is a New York City-based art director and designer who's interested in using visual communications as a catalyst for change. She's collaborated on projects addressing gender disparity in graphic design education, including her undergraduate thesis at Pratt, led by Example, which was a graphic design-focused campaign that rallied for more women at the head of our classrooms and more women included in the history of design education. As part of the campaign, two events took place, a one-week installation called Missing Pages and the panel discussion Against All Odds. Valentina is also the co-author of Extra Bold, a feminist, inclusive, anti-racist, and non-binary field guide for graphic designers. She's interested in continuing to explore new ways of rethinking oppressive design norms while advocating for and uplifting marginalized perspectives. Thank you and welcome, Valentina. How are you? Good, good. I'm feeling much better. Just kind of like to get started, I can tell you a a little bit about myself too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I'm currently uh, in my second year of my MFA program in Notre Dame, but I have another year to go. So it's a three-year program. Um, And as part of our program, we teach introductory design classes. Um, And what I like had noticed before, but had never really kind of like thought about was that we continue to teach through a canon of designers that are mostly like European white guys. Um, and I really wanted to make my thesis project about how to kind of change that in order to hopefully change the landscape of what the design field looks like right now. Um, and I found your project through that research um, because you did a similar thing with the kind of an institutional critique. Um, So I guess my first kind of question for you is more out of my own curiosity, but how did your, how did your school take the, the critique at the time? Was there ever any challenges? Yeah, well, there was, in general, it was a very like positive response. Like, um, at the time that we did the project, we had just gotten a new chair of like the graphic design department. And she was very open to a lot of changes. She came from like a different background than like what most of the professors were coming from. Like she went to like Yale for her like MFA and just had like a more like open kind of like idea of what education should be. Um, but there were a lot of professors that definitely weren't supportive of my projects, especially like one of my, I was a senior in my undergrad and one of my teachers from junior year who was like one of like the only women who have had ever taught me whatever whatever literally told me and my friend who did the project like oh this isn't this isn't an issue in the industry like I don't see this problem and we were like are you serious like everybody else like we see it as students like most people like I don't know it was just very weird um and I haven't still don't understand where that was coming from but I think it was coming from actually I do understand it was like coming from like a very place of like privilege and stuff and like not being able to like question like how she had gotten so far and like other women weren't able to get so far um but in general like very positive responses from like the higher ups which was really crazy like they gave us a budget to print all the pages and the chair yeah and the chair of the department really like pushed us she like 
told us like come on like let's do a panel discussion she like encouraged us to reach out to like Sheila the Brett the Brettville like crazy names that we were like no they're never gonna say yes and she was like no you guys have to try like these are just people and like I'm sure they're like interested in having a conversation with you so that was pretty great and then in terms of classmates like obviously 75% of my classmates were women or like female um, people and they for the most part were very supportive I did a lot of like research groups where we just like huddled together with different classmates and just asked like general questions both about like sexism and misogyny that they experience in the classrooms as well as just like who are like five women designers that you know mm-hmm. and it was kind of like ranging but everybody was super like on board with the project and like agreed with it um but yeah it was in general it was like good yeah. thumbs up from the institution yeah that's and we got recognized like by the president of the of like the design school and, oh like, that's so cool yeah a lot of people were like this is an important project yeah. it was just like one person that was like this is an issue we we're like okay that's yeah that's problematic given that she was like a woman too but yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah I've had I've had some people say that too they're like well that's changing and I'm like yeah, but <laughs> but it still has a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um that's that's awesome. Um so in doing that project, did you kind of in hearing like other students' experiences within the classroom and thinking about your own experience in the classroom, what were some of like the major things that you saw or like the major issues um within that space? So I think like even it's the major issue was literally like the question that we were asking which was as women graduating and like going into this industry like who is going to be our mentor like a white man does not have the same experiences that we do and so his input and his like teachings can only get us so far because he already has an advantage that we don't and most most of the people that we like talked to had like the similar point of view just like in classrooms like it's easier for a white like student a white male student to connect with a white male man just because they're like okay like they're going to talk about cars or whatever there's just like some like base of like you know there's there's something in common there and so just like the fact that there is no there was none no like female teachers for us to choose from that was the issue so yeah just like relating and having somewhat like representation which I guess is like a blanket like issue not just in design but just like the lack of representation was like the biggest point yeah and then in terms of like curriculum obviously the the history books weren't there for you as well right yeah yeah like the history there's like a there was a course at the time called like the history of graphic design and it was written by a white male like designer who his daughter was like like coincidentally enough his daughter was the one who was like giving the class and we probably just learned about like Ellen Lupton and um that's literally who the only person I can remember that we learned about in that (laughs) so that's crazy but that's changed a lot actually really yeah I've seen like I, I still follow some professors and I saw that um one of my old professors is actually like starting a course on like design history but through the lens of like different voices so yeah so there's definitely been a lot of movement in the past four years 
That's awesome. We don't have um, like a single design history course here. So that's like not even really a thing. Um, but yeah, but, um, I mean, there's definitely professors that like try to incorporate it into the classroom, but it's, yeah, it's the same, the same issues for sure. Um, When I, when I started teaching like the first course, they like passed down a list of type designers and every single one was like, like there was no, there was nothing. Um, so, and then kind of like some other questions more about you, like what have you done since, since your thesis project and what are you up to now? Yeah. So very different. (laughs) I'm not doing graphic (laughs) design anymore, but oh really? (laughs) I'm doing more art direction. Like I do graphic design on the side, but since my thesis project, I graduated, I worked at a museum for a year. Um, and it was just like doing very like in-house, like graphic design stuff for like exhibitions and books. And that was really cool. Cause I was like surrounded by artists and curators and like, that's like a nice space to be in. But ultimately like I grew out of that. And then I worked in like Converse and Reebok and like I'm doing art direction now, but it's, it's a, it's like good to have like the base of like graphic design, because I think like it just provides me with like a structure and and I know how to do certain things, but I like how social like art direction is. Mm-hmm. Like it's very like collaborative. And the way that I'm like talking about art direction, it's more like um, for campaigns and shoots. So it's like, who are we gonna work with? Like photographers, stylists, all this stuff, which yeah. is just like funner than like having to like typeset a book for like a, yeah. an exhibition <laughs> that only like 150 people are gonna see. Yeah, I, I actually was in New York before this program and I was doing, the same thing like I was trying to shift more into art direction because I was like I can't be behind a computer anymore like right like my brain can't handle it <laughs> I know. and now I'm like oh okay I'm back to it but I feel like I I feel like there has has to be some kind of like balance between like sure. being, working with other people and then working like on your own in a computer um yeah. so then kind of like back to your education experience like have you ever taught before is that something that you're interested in doing um I'm definitely interested in it I feel like I need a few more years of like experience I've done like some workshops here and there but like casual things it's fun it's fun to like talk about my work and like talk to like students like especially like younger students it's like interesting to hear like their um perspectives on like design and everything I feel like so many things have changed in just like four years since I've graduated but yeah definitely interested in that cool um so like in your workshops and things like that have you thought about like how you teach um for example like how you help them to like find a successful design execution or like how you help them to kind of like find their voice through design um like one workshop that I did it was mostly with like um graduate students at Parsons who were doing like a design course but most of them had like a finance background for some reason mm-hmm. it was like very very at Parsons uh, yeah Parsons oh was, like, interesting yeah yeah it was like a master's like in design UX and UI thinking but they were all coming from like a finance background so It was like a three hour workshop, but basically I just started asking them like, why are you doing this? Like, I just kept questioning them and they kept just being like, oh, because I want to organize and da 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 da. And I was like, 
look like what makes you special from someone else that wants to organize and do all of this and then they were like oh you're right like this is like lacking complete personality and like I was like who cares if like your background's in finance that's super sick that now you're doing design like you know so much more than me and you can interject this and like this is an interesting perspective that no one else is gonna have and they're like you're right like that is important I mean it's not like that deep but I think like just encouraging people to like really actually put their voice and realize that everybody's perspective is extremely unique than like the next person Mm -hmm. and that in itself is like important at least in like my point of view yeah so in terms of like the my whole podcast is like design is not neutral so like in terms of the neutrality of design do you have any kind of like thoughts on that or I know some people do think that it's neutral um as like a piece and some people are like no never um so I just wonder your thoughts on that Yeah, I like off the bat, I don't think it's neutral because obviously like design exists as a tool in like capitalism and like colonization Mm -hmm. and it can never just be fully like in a vacuum. So in a way it's not neutral, but then if you use it to communicate things existing outside of like capitalism, then it kind of becomes neutral. But then I also wonder like, what even is like neutrality in the context of like design? Like, what do you mean by what, what, what is, what, what does neutral mean for you? Right. It's, it's a valid question. Yeah. <laughs> like it's one person's neutral is not another person's neutral. So it yeah. in my opinion, it doesn't exist, but you know, there, there is a perspective that sees a neutral perspective, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the one that's teaching design currently. (laughs) Yeah. The one that thinks that like design. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Actually, even just like um, people, I was reading something in Extra Bold. Um, There was like a a interview with like Chrissy Tillman or something who is just like a a designer and like thinker that worked at IDEO. And there was like a question that they asked her where it was like, um what is like the biggest flaw in design right now and she was talking about how we don't ever think of like design like we designers in general think that they're better than other people which is like kind of what we're saying like that neutrality is like people being like oh we're gonna solve everybody's problems but they're not actually like considering the point of view of like who they're looking down on which Mm -hmm. is really interesting because then even like questioning your own like hierarchical power to who you're like trying to solve the problem like the design politics like that already is like taking away the neutrality like there's like it's inherently like political there's like a scale that we don't question enough so I think yeah I agree with you design is not (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and bringing up extra bold so how did how did you kind of like get involved in that book and and what was the process like for you and I just want to hear about it I love that book yeah it's it was crazy because like back to my project in at Pratt led led by Mm -hmm. example we reached out to Ellen Lupton and we were like Ellen Lupton is like the person like we learn about she's not going to say yes and then she said yes in the end and came to our panel discussion and just started like a relationship with us like she really loved the fact that we like created the project and like invited her to talk about it and ultimately like was inspired by like all the students and the energy of the panel discussion. Oh, yeah. And so shortly after I graduated, she like contacted me and Farah and 
told us that she was gonna write this book that was gonna be kind of like a guide for students like kind of answering a lot of the questions that like we had asked in the panel and she asked us to start just interviewing whoever we wanted that was in the industry and just ask them like as recent like fresh grads like what did we want to know and -hmm. just have conversations with all these people so that's how it started and then two years later it just developed into like, okay, well, you guys like have contributed so much that you guys are going to be co-authors. And we also realized that like our perspective as just like two elderly, like white women, because it was like her and her best friend, Jennifer Tobias. Okay. Like our perspective is very limited. So we also brought on a bunch of other voices because the whole point of this book is that we're trying to get like different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And then that's how it ended up being all the authors with just like, kind of grabbing like pieces of like different essays and just bringing it together to be like an actual like guide of yeah. multiple voices. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, so w- when you were like kind of, what were like some of the major questions that you were thinking about asking or like who are your, I guess like not favorite people that you interviewed, but who, who did you feel like you got the best kind of like responses from um there's this designer who um is now kind of like my friend her name is sabrina hall Mm -hmm. um she's an interaction designer and i really found i found her work through like aiga or like it's nice that i don't know i just like randomly saw her work somewhere she used to work at scholastics i think now i'm not sure where, where she's at and she was born and raised in new york and works with um aiga like with their mentorship program with like kids in schools and I had no idea about any of this like when I like did the preliminary call with her and just like connecting with her on the fact that she was like actively trying to help like kids starting from high school just Mm -hmm. like letting them know like opportunities and stuff and yeah she's just like very like invested in like diversifying the design field she's Mm -hmm. Afro-Latina so she just has a lot of like interesting perspectives and I really like connected with her and I think she's just like a general leap. So in terms of kind of like getting back to you and and you talked a little bit about your friend that does work with high school students which I think is great because I did not know what design was until I was in college. Um, For you did you feel like drawn to design before college or like your path to get there? Yeah I I was lucky because I grew up in Miami and there's a high school in Miami called Design and Architectural Senior High. Mm -hmm. So ever since I went to high school, I was like in a graphic design program, which like helped me definitely define that like I wanted to do this. But even before then, like when I was little, I would like write stories on my grandma's computer and then just like, like draw things. So I would do like little comic books and I was always like, just like trying to like illustrate my ideas. And like, as I got older in like eighth grade, when I was like trying out for high school, I was like, oh, I could just like do typography and then that's a career. And then it developed into like actually graphic design and art direction, blah, blah, blah. But I was really lucky to like have that high school experience. Yeah, that's that's unusual. You're the first person that I've like met. I think that's been like, (laughs) I knew what I wanted to do. So that's sick. Um, I think I wanted to be a librarian. Like that it was like so I love cool. libraries. <laughs> that's a great career. I worked at a library for three years at Pratt. Did you really? The best. Yeah, I worked at the Pratt Library. The best, best job ever. I wanted to work in the library in college so bad and everybody wanted to do it and I never got in. But 
Um, <laughs> so what do you see as, this is a big question, but like kind of what do you see as the future of design education or how do you think that people can start to diversify the classroom in order to diversify the field, et cetera? I think, yeah, <clears throat> a lot of like the things that we've been talking about, like questioning like who you are designing for and like your like privilege even as just like, like I feel like most designers are privileged, like the privilege of being able to study design and like being able to like solve problems. Like most people are just trying to make it so even just like that at a rudimentary level of like, okay, like questioning why you're even doing design, who it's for, like, what's your perspective as like a white woman or like whatever, like you want to label yourself. Mm -hmm. That's super important because I don't think that's questioned enough. And obviously like my project was talking about like representation, like having more people of color, more like non-binary teachers, like not just like the cis white male like European canon like mm -hmm. leaning away from that and just having more like different perspectives just like all the stuff that like everybody's trying to work on right now yeah yeah that makes sense yeah I I like hope that everybody well I thought everybody was trying to work on it it turns out they're not really but you know how <laughs> to kind of like keep keep talking about it I guess um, I feel like sorry back no to, like, no no, no go I, ahead. I feel like um I also like in the past like through not uh, extra bold and like meeting Kalina meeting like Josh meeting all these people and like Kalina is like works at an HBCU and like I'm she like so many of her students like are black and like their perspective at Pratt one percent of students at Pratt are black like that's so like interesting to like find out that there are so many other schools and also like globally there's so many other people also doing like what we're talking about right now like you're the fourth person that's reached out to me that's doing like a project about like design education really? cool. so I'm like so many people are talking about this like maybe the majority are not but like there are like little bubbles that are like connecting around the world and like hopefully like this is like getting bigger and bigger and bigger and like I mean, who knows when it's actually going to like take effect into like the mainstream of like design, but I think like little movements are making waves throughout different things. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's been it's been really nice to talk to people that also share, I don't want to say like a similar perspective, but like see issues and want to change them versus being comfortable within like kind of the fake norm that we've created. Um mm -hmm. So that's been, yeah, it's been great um, because I think I was so isolated, like kind of trying to just like read and work through these things on myself. So deciding to do the podcast, deciding to interview people was definitely like a good decision um, because yeah, it's been, it's been really nice. And same as you, I was like terrified to like email people. Cause I was like, they're just going to be rude and they're not going to reply, but yeah. it's been really really nice and really interested to talk about this so yeah yeah because I feel like yeah it's just like everybody's like in the same boat we all just trying to figure it out yeah <laughs> so um going back kind of again to design education but were you ever told 
uh, like that there were specific rules in design, um, particular introductory courses, or like even, I feel like you talked about UX design too, UX design, they have a lot of like rules. Um, kind of like, what do you think about that? And do you feel like that's always applicable? Yeah, I think like for so much of like um, design school, they're just teaching you like Bauhaus rules and like these rules that were created by like white European people and you can't break them. You can only break them once you know them. And I think that's all bullshit. Like, I think that's something I'm trying to like re-teach myself now, even though I paid like so much money to go to school and learn all of those things. Like, I think anybody can be a designer and you don't have to like follow those rules. And with UX and UI, like I don't, I didn't, I didn't study that, but I'm really interested in like how, what you said too, it's like a tool of colonization. Like it is all very like, white and like rooted into like this grid and like this norm so I think it's bullshit I think like we just need to like redefine what that is and like ultimately like design is just like a tool of communication so why do we have to follow these rules that like were set in stone so long ago and we're like the right amount of margins or the right amount of kerning and like all of this as long as it's legible to me it's good yeah yeah I I think UX design is particularly interesting because um, I think we're probably about the same age, but when we were like in middle school, it was just an elementary school, like the web world was like chaos and there was like mm-hmm. no rules <laughs> to design on the web. And now everything looks like Facebook, you know, they kind of like obliterated all of that. And they were like, no, this is what it's going to look like. Um, which is interesting. Like even in something so new, we still are like, these are the rules that we've like made up. Yeah. 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 And again, it's like who made up those rules? Like it's like the norm, but to what- Mark Zuckerberg, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Another thing that they're very focused on here is UX design. And when I was in college, it was similar to you. It was like branding. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really hammered into us. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that there should be kind of more leading by education or more leading by by industry in terms of what, like building classes, building curriculum? I think education, but the thing is like my issue with like universities and institutions is like when it becomes so far removed from society and it just becomes like academia and it's just like, education for the sake of like oh like education and like theory and like not actually being put into practice Mm -hmm. so I guess it's like a balance not necessarily like industry but I guess what like your school is doing of like trying to make design for social good even though like there's a lot of like weirdness in that spectrum too because I don't know nothing exists outside of capitalism um but yeah no, it's a complicated question. I guess more towards education, but not so like far removed from like society that it becomes too academic. Yeah, yeah. And were you ever, so you, you mentioned you had one design history course. Were you ever taught um, like any type of design ethics or was that ever, were there readings or anything like that? No, no ethics, which is crazy. Like I had one, like very early on, like, sophomore year of college there was like design procedures and like one teacher just so happened to show us like 
this book of like ethics and morals but it wasn't it wasn't something that was like highlighted or like really ingrained it was like oh if you want to look at this like look at this but nothing concrete so it was more just like production kind of yeah yeah very much on producing on perfecting very capitalistic new york school like we're gonna get you a job at an ad agency damn yeah. yeah that's crazy yeah it's like um there's a there's a little bit of that here but it, um it's definitely like it's shifted now to interaction design people are like obsessed with user experience so mm-hmm. yeah. so I have like one kind of like last question for you and it's very open so what do you view as the most pressing issues facing the field of design today that's- very open yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I mean I feel like it's like everything that we've been talking about like the past few minutes how long it's been like a combination of like the biggest issue for me is which is I think for like most people in our generation right now is like how do we like get out of capitalism like it's so depressing to like have a job that's based in just selling products And for me, my education was very, like, about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a big issue that I wish I had the solutions for. Um, But then also, again, back to, like, who is, like, questioning my own, like, privilege and questioning, like, the privilege of other designers and, like, this career that is, like, it's so crazy because it's a career that, like, literally influences, like, everybody like at any level like because it's so like ingraining capitalism and all this stuff like we're always selling something or just communicating like some idea that is going to like hit so many people and affect culture and just the fact that like we don't we don't and I mean I don't I didn't at least in college like ever question that and ever question like how much power like graphic design actually has so yeah it's a lot of like ethics and morals that I guess aren't taught or weren't taught when I was in school maybe they're taught in some other courses but I think that's the biggest issue yeah 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 uh, I agree I think that shift from like design as problem solving to like design as culture building what has been like huge in the way my my mindset has worked because it does it puts a lot more like influence and power that we don't think about onto the way that we are communicating things. Um, yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like, I don't, this is a personal question, but like, do you feel, do you feel like quite burnt out because of the constant selling? Yeah. 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 I just finished working. Like my last week at Reebok was like last week before I got COVID. And I was just, like, up to here, like, it's just, like, selling a product, like, working in-house at, like, yeah, you worked at Bonobos, and, like, yeah. it's just so draining to always just have to be, like, thinking about what is going to sell, like, that's, that's the ultimate line, like, we're just selling shoes, and people, like, put so much emphasis on, like, deadlines and all these things, and you're stressed out, and it's, like, the world is literally burning, I don't care, <laughs> I don't care about shoes, <laughs> it's so like that's, how I, that's how I felt too yeah <laughs> I think I 
my like breaking point was there was this so we were owned by Walmart which put like mm-hmm. all the stakeholders like had pressure on us they were like really pushing me to like always come up with like the most insane sale creative anyone had ever seen you know that's gonna make like two million three million dollars mm-hmm. and there was this like football field sale thing and my and I like I like photoshopped the number onto like a football field and mm-hmm. they like passed it or my CMO like passed it around the office asking everybody if it would like set if they thought that it was oh going to be God. a $2 million sale. <laughs> Took it to my CEO was like, is it going to sell $3 million though? Like, is, are we going to make that much money from this sale creative? And I was just like, oh my God, I can't was- <laughs> shit anymore. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's so crazy. Yeah. And also just like, I don't know about you, but like being a little cog in the machine is so depressing. Like being a little designer, a little art director in this huge corporation, like, no, I'm out of it. Like, yeah. So wait, remind me, what are you doing now again? So now I'm starting next week. um, It's so hard. Like, I don't even understand it. But so (laughs) have you ever heard of this company called Spring Hill? It's like owned by LeBron James and Maverick Carter. It's kind of like an entertainment media company. Okay. Um, That's I've, cool. I hadn't heard of, yeah, I hadn't heard of it before, but they have like an agency within the company, but okay. they call themselves more yeah. of like a consultancy. So they work with like Google and Fortnite and do like activations. I'm, I have no idea what to expect, but <laughs> the benefits are good and cool. we'll see. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. This was really helpful. Yeah. All right. Cool. Have a good okay, rest of your talk day. to you soon. Bye. You Bye. This episode of Design is Not Neutral was recorded on April 25th, 2022 at 3 o'clock p.m. If you enjoyed this episode, please check us out on Instagram at Design is Not Neutral. Thank you.